I would like to read the entire first chapter of 2 Kings. It's 18 verses. It's not too long, but I want you to be able to get this entire story, and then we will look at a few things in here. And we've been studying the life of Elijah, and then we've moved to the life of Elisha on Sunday nights. And uh, Elijah, after he puts that mantle on Elisha, while he's uh, plowing with those yoke of oxen, Elisha doesn't pop up again until 2 Kings chapter 2. And that's what we're going to look at tonight, Lord willing. And, uh, but Elijah pops up two more times. Really his ministry, it's a transition period here. But there's two times that Elijah pops up and both of them are uh, moments of declarations of judgment. Elijah comes out to uh, pronounce judgment. One is on Ahab and Jezebel, and that's back in 1 Kings chapter whatever that is, maybe 9, maybe whatever. I don't know. I read my Bible sometime. We'll see here. Chapter 22, I don't know, somewhere. 21, 22. And then the second time Elijah pops up is to pronounce judgment again to Ahab's son, Ahaziah, who is the king now. And that's what we have in this first chapter. And that's what I want to look at this morning. I wasn't planning on really preaching anymore on Elijah, but I was just, as I was studying, uh, just the Lord spoke my heart from this first chapter. And I want to give you just a simple thought that the Lord's put on my heart for this morning. Verse 1. Let's read this entire chapter together. I'll give you a head start on your Bible reading this week. You'll have one chapter in. If you pay attention real good, you'll have one chapter done this week. All right? Verse 1. Then Moab rebelled against Israel after the death of Ahab. And Ahaziah fell down through a lattice in his upper chamber that was in Samaria and was sick. And he sent messengers and said unto them, Go and inquire of Beelzebub, the god of Ekron, whether I shall recover of this disease." But the angel of the Lord said to Elijah the Tishbite, Arise, go up to meet the messengers of the king of Samaria, and say unto them, Is it not because there is not a god in Israel that you go to inquire of Beelzebub, the god of Ekron? Now therefore, thus saith the Lord, Thou shalt not come down from that bed on which thou art gone up, but shalt surely die. And Elijah departed. And when the messengers turned back unto him and said unto them, Why are you now turned back? And they said unto him, There came a man up to meet us and said unto us, Go, turn again unto the king that sent you. And say unto him, Thus saith the Lord, Is it not because there is not a God in Israel that thou sentest to inquire Beelzebub, the God of Ekron? Therefore thou shalt not come down from that bed on which thou art gone up, but thou but shalt surely die. Verse 7. And he said unto them, What manner of man was he which came up to meet you and told you these words? And they answered him, He was an hairy man and girt with a girdle of leather about his loins. And he said, It is Elijah the Tishbite. Then the king said, sent unto him a captain of fifty with his fifty. And he went up to him, and behold, he sat on the top of an hill. And he spake unto him, Thou man of God, the king hath said, Come down. And Elijah answered and said to the captain of fifty, If I be a man of God, then let fire come down from heaven and consume thee and thy fifty. 
And there came down fire from heaven and consumed him and his fifty. I guess Elijah's a man of God. How about that? Again also he sent unto him another captain of fifty with his fifty. And he answered and said unto him, O man of God, thus hath the king said, Come down quickly. And Elijah answered and said unto them, If I be a man of God, that's when I would start running about right there. Let fire, let fire come down from heaven and consume thee and thy fifty. And the fire of God came down from heaven and consumed him and his fifty. Verse 13. And he sent again a captain of the third fifty with his fifty. How would you like to be that guy? And the third captain of fifty went up and came and fell on his knees. <laughs> before Elijah, and besought him, and said unto him, O man of God, I pray thee, let my life, and the life of these fifty thy servants be precious in thy sight. Behold, there came fire down from heaven, and burn up the two captains of the former fifties with their fifties. Therefore let my life now be precious in thy sight. And the angel of the Lord said unto Elijah, Go down with him, be not afraid of him. And he arose went down with him unto the king. And he said unto him, Thus saith the Lord, For as much as thou hast sent messengers to inquire of Beelzebub, the god of Ekron, is not because there is no god in Israel to inquire of his word? Therefore thou shalt not come down off that bed on which thou art gone up, but shalt surely die. So he died according to the word of the Lord which Elijah had spoken. But we'll just stop reading right there. That's the... That's the story given to us in the text here. Our text opens up telling us about a king that was under a lot of pressure. He was in a real bad spot. Uh, He was under political pressure. He was under a political burden. He is the new king. His father Ahab has passed away. You can read about that in the end of 1 Kings Ahaziah has taken his place. And like it was many times in that day, an enemy that had been conquered, a foe that had been put in in, in, in service, uh, when one king, under one king, when that king passes away, well, they're going to try to get out from under that uh, that authority. And so they rebel against Israel. They're going to try to press the buttons of this new young king and see how he responds. So he's under political pressure. Some of their uh, servants are rebelling against them. Nations that were formerly enemies that had been put under subjection, now they are becoming unruly and becoming rebels. But we find here in verse number 2 that he is under a personal burden. And the Bible says that he fell down through a lattice in his upper chamber that was in Samaria and was sick. There was some type of an accident in his home that led to a sickness in his life and it has really put him in a bad spot. I'm not sure exactly how this accident took place. You know what lattice is. 
some type of an artificial uh, you know, covering or just kind of, it's not very sturdy, it's not very strong, it's mainly for, for looks and things like that, but it was probably covering some type of a window or something and he was in an upper chamber, the Bible says, so he's on second floor, third floor, fourth floor, however tall the, the, the house may have been and I don't know if, 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 if the lattice was not on there good or, or if it had gotten loose or the weather or whatever, it, he, he leaned up against it or, 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 or pushed into it or whatever, I'm not sure, but he fell out of a window, so to speak, and now he has been physically damaged from that and it has turned in some type of a sickness. Uh, some I read behind said maybe a fever or something like that. Anyway, it looks like death is imminent. He's in a really bad spot. Can you imagine uh, the political pressure, the physical pressures of life? All these things are coming on, on his life. And I'm interested, into this, interested in this fall that happened to this king. It seems like that it was uh, an accidental fall? Does it seem like uh, that it was, he was pushed or does it seem like uh, maybe uh, it was anything that he did on purpose? Obviously, it was just an accident, just something that, that happened to him this fall was. How many of you have ever fell by accident? Has that ever happened to anybody? Uh, I, I think I've told you about this before, but uh, I remember one time it was in January, I believe. We're still living over here in Silver Valley, and on the back porch, I went out early in the morning to go to the store to get in the car, and the and the and the porch was iced over, and it had ice all over it. And man, when I got out there, I was even trying to be careful, but it did not matter. It was like something that you'd see out of a cartoon. I mean, my legs whoop 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 whoop. I'm talking about probably ten times is what it felt like. Felt like it was in slow motion, and it was all happening. And then all of a sudden, I fell down. And boom, I landed right on my, uh, uh, what's the scientific uh, tailbone. All right, that was better than what I was about to say. Uh, on my tailbone, and I, I bruised my tailbone. I don't know if you've ever had a bruised tailbone, but that hurts. Not just for a day, not just for a week. I wish it was even for a month. It all year long, the entire year, I could not hardly sit down. When I sat, especially church pews, it bothered me real bad. And when I sat on a church pew, I'd have to sit on this side, and then I'd have to move to this side, and then sit on this side. I couldn't just sit straight because that tailbone was bruised so bad where I had fallen down. Uh, I don't know if you've ever fell. It's embarrassing, isn't it? But And then the physical stuff that might come. The older you get, the worse it is. Uh, you know if you're getting old by how people respond when you fall. When you're young and you fall, people laugh at you. But when you fall and people come running and they're genuinely worried about you, look up here, you're old. That means you're old. You have crossed over into old. When you fall and people worry about you and wonder, man, we're going to have to put them down. I don't know if they're going to make it. Amen. <laughs> and uh, that means you're old, all right? So anyway, just a PSA for you right there. But, but this was an accidental fall. That's, that, that could happen to anybody, right? Anybody could fall, you know, through a lattice, a window, or whatever it was, where he's an upper chamber. And that could, that could happen to anybody. A fall like that could happen to anybody. But, but here's what I'm interested in. I'm interested in how he responded to the fall in his life. I'm interested in what took place after that fall. Because here's my thought for this morning, is that some falls are accidental. They happened to us, no reason. Maybe we could have been a little more careful. Maybe, maybe we could have. But really, it was just an accident. We did not mean for them to happen. We did not intend for those to happen. Some falls are accidental. But let me, let, me, let me run this by you here this morning. See if you can hold on to this. Some falls 
are avoidable. Some falls you could avoid. This was just, it seems like it was in the everyday course of life he fell out. It was just an accident. But some falls are completely, 100% avoidable. And many times it's not the fall that hurts us. It's the fall after the fall. It is what we do responding to the accidental falls of life. It is how we respond and how we react to what happens to us. You see, Ahaziah, he did not choose for this pressure to be in his life necessarily. Moab, he can't, he can't control what Moab does. And, and then he didn't, he didn't choose this fall uh, through the lattice. That probably wasn't in his, uh, his, uh, his agenda for the day. That was something that was just an accident. It could happen to anybody going about the, 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 the things of life. But it happened to him. But I'm interested, the rest of this chapter reveals to us how Ahaziah responded to what had happened to him. And it's really how he responded to those things that did the most damage in his life. It was the fall. I'm going to call it the falls after the fall. It was what he did after he fell through the lattice out of his upper chamber. It was the falls that were completely avoidable that ended up messing him up all together. And that's what I want to preach on just for a moment this morning. Avoidable falls. Not every fall is avoidable. Not every trial, not every tragedy is avoidable. But there are some that are avoidable. There are some that you can avoid and you can detour around. You don't have to go to it. You don't have to go through it. But sometimes in our stubbornness, in our hard-headedness, in our hard-heartedness, we run and jump right into a hole that we have no business being in. And we could absolutely avoid if we would use some godly discernment and godly wisdom in our life. Y'all tracking with me so far? I want you to see three, what I'm going to see here in the text, completely avoidable holes, some falls that were avoidable that Ahaziah fell into. Number one, I want to call it the hole of vanity. He fell into the hole of vanity. I want you to notice Ahaziah's first response to his problem in verse number 2. He had this problem that come up in his life. He had felt, again, accidental. Could happen to anybody. He didn't choose that. It wasn't like, I don't, you know, I don't know exactly. I'm just kind of using my imagination here. I mean, I could see that. It's an accident. That could happen to anybody uh, here. He was just going through a course of the day, trip and fell, or something happened. and Maybe something that was normally sturdy, normally dependable, normally reliable. For some reason it wasn't, and he fell out of this upper chamber. And so it was an accident. But notice, so we don't blame him for that. We don't fault him for that. That could happen to anybody. But notice how he responds to what had happened unto him. The Bible says at the end of verse number 2, And he sent messengers and said unto them, Go inquire of Beelzebub, the god of Ekron. He went to false gods. He went to idol gods to get a word of, of prophecy that would help him in with his situation. He went to these idol gods instead of going to the true and 
the living God. Beelzebub. That just means Lord of the flies is what that is. It was a false god. Flies were a, were, were a, a, a nuisance in that day. And so they had, of course, they had a god for every kind of nuisance in their, in their society. The thunder god and the, and the rain god and everything. Anything that, that they needed help with, they would have a god that would be a god of that thing. And, and, and it, would, uh, uh, it would hopefully, you know, they could pray to that god or try to appease that god and that god would help them with whatever area that he's the, the, the little god of or, or whatever. And so this is the Lord of the flies. Of course, you know that that phrase, it ought to sound, that idol God ought to sound familiar to us because Jesus identifies uh, Satan and the house of Satan as Beelzebub. This is, which literally is what is behind every idol God. They're all devils. It's all demons. It's all, it's all, it's, it's God and it's Satan. There are no, uh, obviously, a heavenly host of gods. But at the same time, what we have here is Ahaziah not going to God. And that's what the man of God confronts his messengers about. He went to this false god. You know, one of the terms for false gods in your Bible is lying vanities. Vanities. You know what that word vanity means? It means nothingness. It means emptiness. It is, it is, what, is what does not exist. That is what a vanity is. But lying vanities, it's deceitful. You think it is. You, you think it's there. So you ask that God things and you go to that God expecting things and you want that God to hear you. But it is just a, it's just a trick. It's just a deceit. It's just a lie is all it is. It's an it's a empty lie. That's all idolatry ever is. And the message to Ahaziah through the man of God Elijah was very clear. Ahaziah's actions proved that he believed that there was no real God. He had to go to this false God. And that was the question that was asked, verse number 3. Is it not because there is not a God in Israel that you go to inquire of Beelzebub? Now don't let the double negatives mess you up there. Really the idea is still the same. And that is Elijah saying, listen, is there not a God in Israel? Is there, is there not a God here that, that you could ask? Is there not a real God? you got to go there. Because there's not a real God here, and it's a rhetorical question. The answer, the, the question is absurd because the answer is obvious, and that just simply means yes, there is a God. You don't have to go to Beelzebub because there is a true and living God that will hear your prayer and will answer your prayer. Possibly, if you'll humble yourself before Him, God would hear you. And, and, and it's just a slap in the face of God when you. Go to inquire of these other gods. But can I tell you, how many of you are making the connection right here? That is the trap that we fall into. We fall. Something happens to us. This, this is all of us. This is where we live. We're just like Ahaziah. Something happens to us beyond our control. Uh, just, I mean, uh, uh, just in, in, the, in the daily routines of life, there, there's hurt, there's, there's sorrow, there's tragedy, there's affliction, there is trials. And instead of turning to the true and the living God for help, how many times do we turn to other things? And that question in verse 3, that a scenario where God moves on His man to go, to go uh, encounter uh, the messengers of Ahaziah. Just let me know that God takes great offense when we look to other things to meet our needs. In fact, I would say that that right there, this chapter right here, gives us one of the most clear pictures of what idolatry really looks like. 
Idolatry is not somebody bowing at the foot of some totem pole and chanting and worshiping. That could be idolatry, but that's not the clearest picture of idolatry. Idolatry is not in little statues and, 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 and things like that. That's not the clearest picture of idolatry. The clearest picture of idolatry is when somebody goes to something or someone else other than the true and living God to try to find help for their needs. That is idolatry. According to that definition, do we have any idolaters in here? Do we have any people of God that struggle with idolatry? By the way, listen, the answer is yes, uh, just to let you know. Because uh, if, if you say no, then you struggle with idolatry and lying. You got like a... You're struggling with both real bad. That's why... Listen, it's, this, is a new, this is an Old Testament thing. This is a New Testament problem. At the very end of, of, of John's little epistle there, what's the very last verse? First John, what was it, 5, whatever the last verse is. He says, my little children, saved people, keep yourselves from what? Idols. You know why? Because he knows that it is possible for Christians to be tempted by idolatry. And I don't think he's talking about statues. I, don't think, I think he's talking about the idols of our heart. So John earlier in that epistle, love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. And all that stuff. There's idolatry in the world that Christians are drawn to and we are tempted every single time we have a problem and when we have a fall and something happens to us and a tragedy, we are tempted to look elsewhere to have our needs met other than the Lord Jesus Christ. Can I tell you, the song we sang to start this service off, listen, don't forget it. Put them words deep in your heart. He is all that you need. And when we say He's all you need, we really mean that he is all that you need he's it we don't have to go anywhere else he's got it all your idol your little g god is whatever you go to to meet the deepest needs of your life it's whatever you turn to when you're in trouble some people it's the drink some people it's dope some people it's relationships some people it's religion not, not, not a relationship with Jesus, religion. They get, when they get in trouble, they get religious. It's the same thing as going to Beelzebub. That's, what, that's a religion. Oh, hey, Isaiah, when he got hurt, guess what he did? He got religious. Doesn't that sound familiar? But he didn't go to God. You can be religious and not have God. People look for fun and for pleasure and for all kind of things. His turning to vanities instead of the true God it helped seal his fate. Verse 4 tells us, Therefore, thus saith the Lord, thou shalt not come down from that bed. Because you did not seek help from God. Because you didn't go to God with your problems. And how many times we're, we're tempted to think, well, I don't want to bother God. I don't want to go to Him with every little thing. Look up here. He wants you to go to Him with every little thing. He wants to be your complete 100% source of satisfaction and help. Listen, you're not bothering God. He put a welcome mat out in the throne. What other king has put a welcome mat out in the throne room and to his throne room and said, look, if you need anything, you come right in here and you let me know. Ours did. In fact, he said his throne room is a throne room of grace. In fact, he said, you can come over here and find grace. 
and you can obtain mercy and when you are in your times of need. He said, come right here. Jesus said, I want to be your one-stop shop for everything you need. You don't need the world. You don't need what they have. You don't need the lust of the flesh. You don't need the lust of the eyes. You don't need the pride of life. You don't need anybody. You need Jesus is who you need. But Ahaziah, what did he do? He fell. Okay, we can understand that fall, Ahaziah. But he fell again. And that's what hurt him. That second fall hurt him much worse than the first fall. He fell into the hole of vanity. Going somewhere else to have his needs met other than the true and living God. Secondly, a second hole that I see Ahaziah falling in. It's not just the whole of vanity, but secondly, I'm going to call it this, it's the whole of insanity. The whole of insanity, which rhymes with vanity. That's pretty good, ain't it? Verse 5 and 6 and 7 and 8. I'm not going to go take time to read all this, but did you remember we read all about those messengers that he sent to Elijah? So these messengers... Bring, verses 5 through 8, the messengers bring the message back to Ahaziah. We met a guy. Here's what he said. He told me to go back and tell you this. Ahaziah said, what do he look like? He said, well, he's a hairy guy. And he had a leather, big leather belt. And Ahaziah said, yeah, I know who that is. He's been troubling our family for years. He's been a thorn in my mama's side, <laughs> old Jezebel. My daddy's side, Ahab, he's been a thorn in our side forever. I know exactly who that is. I'm telling you, I want you to go to him. And he took a captain and his 50, and I can just see this captain, he looks strong, and he looks, uh, he looks courageous, right? And he's got 50 men, 51 men against one. I mean, this is, this is easy. This is, uh, I mean, you don't even need 50 men, right, to do something like this. And, 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 and he sends this captain out. What he should have done, obviously, was what? Repent, <laughs> right? Humble himself. But he, instead, he sends an army out. And I think this army, and Elijah knows the intentions of this army. This army was not to, uh, was not to just uh, seize Elijah. I think this army was to kill Elijah. And the reason I say that is because Elijah was fearful for his life. I look at verse 15, and when that angel of the Lord had to convince him to get off of his little hill there, and the angel of the Lord said unto Elijah, go down with him. Now look what he said, be not afraid of him. Now I circled that in my, one of my Bibles. I was studying that because I was like, be not afraid of him. The angel had to tell Elijah, don't be afraid of this captain. Now look, if I just call down fire from heaven a couple times, I'm going to tell you who I'm afraid of. Nobody. I ain't afraid of nobody. Isn't that funny? The, uh, the angel had to tell Elijah not to be afraid of the captain. The captain's sitting there, he's scared to death, afraid of Elijah. And Elijah had to tell him, don't be afraid of him. And I believe the, the, because the intentions were clear, the, the motive was clear. Uh, Ahaziah, and it, this is all through the Word of God. This is what his mama did, so this is what his daddy did. Obviously, this is what he's doing. If you don't like the message, just shoot the messenger. That's what he's trying to do to Elijah. Instead of repenting, Instead of getting right, what does he do? He goes after the man of God. And, and, and he sent an army to kill the prophet. Of course, 
It didn't matter if Ahaziah had sent 50 or if he'd have sent 50,000. It would not have mattered one bit because all of the armies in the world are no match for God. and No match for His work and for His man and for His Word. Listen, you're not going to go against the Word of God. I promise you that. It will burn you up every single time. But it was 50 men. And he, and he, boom! And he just, he, he torched them. Man, I love that. And I know, I know Jesus told his disciples in the New Testament, you know, you know not what spirit you're of. You know, they want to call fire down from heaven and just torch people like Elijah did. But man, I wish I could do that sometimes. Isn't that cool? I like the place Elijah's in right now. You know, a couple chapters earlier, he was like, Lord, kill me. And now he's like, Lord, kill them. I like that a lot better. I identify that. Lord, I, I quit. I'm going to stop praying, Lord, kill me. Lord, kill me. I ain't done nothing wrong. Don't kill me. Kill them, God. Amen. Okay, I'm joking. Just a little bit. But the, here's what I'm interested in, and you've seen this in the text. You know where I'm going with this. He, he sent the captain his 50, boom, burn him up. Well, what does he do? Does he repent? Does he humble himself? Say, well, that didn't work. I better get right. I better plead for mercy. No, look at verse number 11. Again, again, that's how the verse starts. Also, he sent unto them another captain and 50 with his 50. And guess what? Same outcome. And so what does Ahaziah do? He gets right, doesn't he? He repents. He humbles himself. Uh, No. Verse number 13, he does it again. And he sent again a captain of the third, 50, with his 50. He does it again and again and again. How many have ever heard this? I think Einstein's quoted with this, was saying this. He said, the definition of insanity is what? Doing the same thing over and over and expecting different results. And not only has Ahaziah fallen, but then the falls after the fall, he fell into the hole of vanity, and now he has fallen into the hole of insanity. And that is just doing the same thing over and over and over and over and over again, expecting something different to happen. But can I tell you, a lot of people fall in that same hole. They think, you know what? I'm just going to do the same thing over and over, and I'm expecting something different to happen. Can I tell you something? If you keep doing what you've always done, you're going to keep getting what you've always got. And that is just common sense, isn't it? You wonder with some people, when are they going to get tired of running from God? When are they going to get tired of bucking against God? When are they going to get tired of rebelling against God? When are they going to get tired of it? But yet it seems like we do it over and 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 over and over again. And we just, it's absolute insanity to keep going against God. But he's fallen into that hole. Now, I love this third captain. Isn't that great? In fact, I was going to preach a message on, the, on captain number three. That's what I was going to preach on. And then all this other stuff started growing out of that. So, but captain number three is really what caught my attention in this text. I love because this guy's a smart dude, right? Okay, he's putting it all together. Okay, the first captain, he got torched. The second captain, he got torched. He's like, I don't want to get torched. You know what? I'm not insane. <laughs> I, I think if we keep doing this over and over, we're going to keep getting the same result and keep getting the same outcome. And so he said, I don't, I don't want to be like that. And he is a perfect illustration. Captain number three is. And I thought about, I thought about captain number three. I, thought about, I wonder if he got upset because he didn't get picked first. You think he got mad? You think he got upset? Think, man, oh, man, Ahaziah, I wish he'd have picked me first. Because he wasn't, he wasn't Ahaziah's first choice. Now he's looking back thinking, whew, I'm glad I'm third string. Hallelujah. 
Amen. It's not always a bad thing not to be first. Amen. Anyways, I don't know. That's speculation, but he's the third one. We know that. But he's a perfect illustration. This man did what any sane person would do. And that's standing at the bottom of this hill, shouting at the man of God, telling him to come down. That ain't working. And so what does he do? He gets down on his knees. By the way, it always works. That always works. Humbling yourself and getting down on your knees and begging God for mercy, it always works. I don't know what it is about God, but there's something about God. It don't matter what you've done, it don't matter where you've been, it don't matter how wicked you are, as soon as somebody just says, I'm sorry, Lord, please forgive me, he just does it. He did it to Ahab. He did, believe it or not. Ahab received a measure of mercy because Ahab had a measure of humility. And he probably would have received more mercy if he'd have had more humility. Even for somebody as wicked as Ahab, You think God would have done it for Ahaziah? Look up here. I know God would have done it for Ahaziah. But he would never humble himself. This third captain did. He broke the insanity, broke the cycle of insanity. And his humility, here's what I was thinking about by this third captain. His humility, it not only spared his life, but it spared what? 50 other men. How many think there were 50 wives that were thankful that their husband had a humble captain. How many think there were 50 men that were thankful? Man, I'm glad I'm working for a humble man. Mm-hmm. I'm going to tell you something. Mamas and daddies and grandmas and grandpas, and if you've got people following you and people looking to you and watching you, I'm telling you something, you'll never go wrong being humble. You'll save those that are following. You'll save their life if you will exemplify and exhibit humility in your life. Because it don't just, it don't just uh, affect you. It affects those that are following you as well. But he got down on his... I love that verse 13. He went up and came and fell on his knees before Elijah and besought him and said unto him, O man of God. And, you know, all three of them called Elijah a man of God. All three of them did. I think this third one is the only one that really believed it. Because with the other ones, Elijah said, well, if I am a man of God, like, I don't think you really believe it, but I'm about to prove it to you. And that man, he gets down on his knees right next to a charred spot here and a charred spot there. (laughs) And he gets down on his knees and he said, Lord, have mercy on me. And that's the only way to get, if you want to go up, go down. If you want to get anywhere with God. But what does pride do? The insanity of pride. Pride goeth before what? Yeah, destruction and a haughty spirit before him. Fall, that's exactly right. Pride and falls go together. But if you'll humble yourself, you'll have some mercy. Most of our falls, listen to me, I'm about done. They're completely avoidable through what? Humility. So this man, Ahaziah, he keeps doing and he would have kept doing it unless there was somebody in his life that broke the cycle, helped him help break that cycle. Ahaziah, he probably would have kept suing them. You know what that's called? Insanity. He fell into vanity. He fell into the hole of insanity. And then I'll give you one last one and I'm done. Avoidable falls. Falls that could have been avoided. We're not talking about that. We're not faulting him for that fall through the lattice. That was an accident. But what, how he responded to that 
All of that was completely avoidable. Vanity. Insanity. And then lastly, the whole of, I'm going to call it this, the whole of humanity. It's because, mainly because it rhymes. The whole of humanity. Look at verse number 17. Now look here. I'm done. It says, So he died according to the word of the Lord, which Elijah had spoken. He died according to the word of the Lord. Didn't God say he would die? And guess what happened to him? He died. And by the way, so will you. It's called humanity. It is appointed unto men once to die. And after this, the judgment. And people think they're the exception. They think they're the rule. They think that God's not serious about what He said. But most people will realize that truth way too late. Here's the truth. Ahaziah died, but we know what that means, don't we? He died, and just like that rich man said, what the Bible says about rich man, and in where? Hell. He lift up his eyes. Ahaziah died and went to hell. Now let me tell you something about hell. It's the most avoidable fall that there ever has been. Listen to me. You don't have to go to hell. You don't have to. Talking about falls that are avoidable, that fall into hell, that's the most avoidable fall. Now I know his physical life may have possibly, maybe could have been spared or lengthened if he'd have humbled himself. But I do know for a fact that his eternal life would have been differently, would have been different if he had have humbled himself and repented before God. There's a clear picture of humanity in this text. I mean, it's all, it's all in here. I mean, the, the thing starts. Here's how the chapter starts. Look, it's a fall that results in a sickness. Does that sound familiar at all? How about Genesis 3? There's a fall that results in a sickness. I mean, whoever hears that, I've heard a sickness is a result in fall. That's a very unusual thing. Is it a fall that makes somebody sick? But that's, that's our condition. We fell. And even though we weren't there, we sinned in Adam. But though that we, I know it wasn't an accident. I know even that was avoidable. But at the same time, what about after that? God has made a way for us to avoid the punishment that comes along with sin through the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. In fact, I mean, you just read verse 1 and 2. Of this, I mean, I underline the word rebelled, death, fell, sick, disease. I mean, that just sounds like the beginning of, of, of the book of Genesis. Rebellion and death and sickness and disease and falling. That's what's going on. And God in His mercy. See, Ahaziah wasn't thinking about God, but God was thinking about Ahaziah. You see that in the text? You see where Ahaziah, his, his thoughts were nowhere near on Jehovah God. But as he sent those messengers, God sent Elijah. That wasn't judgment, that was mercy. That was an opportunity for him to change directions before his messengers ever arrived to the priest of Beelzebub. God interrupted them and said, Hey, hold on, go back to the king and tell him to think about what he's doing. That was mercy. And I'm glad even though we've fallen and even though we have the sickness of sin, I'm glad we couldn't get up off the bed and come to God, but God came to us. 
And he interrupted our lives. And he said, hey, think about what you're doing. Don't you see grace in this passage? Yes, there's a lot of judgment. Yes, there's a lot of fire. Yes, there's a lot of bad things in this chapter. But there's grace. There's mercy in here. God has interrupted the plans of Ahaziah. It's almost like, go back and think about what you're doing. And that's grace. That's mercy. And Ahaziah, oh man, I'm trying to stop. Ahaziah even had, I'm talking about what Ahaziah had. He even had a humble servant that brought the man of God to him. That's what the text says. That's what what happened. Elijah come down off his little hill, frying people up there, and he come down off his little hill, and he come with captain number three, and he come straight... Elijah, I think the text implies that Elijah confronted Ahaziah face to face. Think about that. Ahaziah face to face with the Word of God. A humble friend. It took a humble friend to bring the Word of God to a lost man. And I don't know to preach that, but man, that's what... Man, how many of you have had a humble friend that told you about Jesus, brought the Word of God to you? Isn't that a blessing? That's a blessing. But yet, what happened? So he died. Verse 17. According to the word of the Lord. So he died. I'm going to tell you something. Really, when I get thinking about it, Ahaziah, he didn't fall into hell. Most people don't fall into hell. They jump. They jump in head first. They jump in over warnings and pleadings and prayers and preaching And they jump over all of that. And they jump head first into hell where they'll never get out and they'll never get another chance. The most avoidable fall that there ever is and ever will be is the fall into hell. Completely avoidable. Jesus came and took your place so you don't have to go. That's avoidable, isn't it? Thank God for that. Miss Maddie, I want you to come around to the piano. Not all times, it's, it's not always that fall. It's not always that tragedy. But it's how you respond to it. It's the falls after the fall. That's what will do the most damage. The decisions he made after his fall did a lot more damage his eternal soul than that fall from his upper chamber ever did. It's the avoidable falls. Those are the ones we'll have to give an account for. The falls that we took when we could have went all the way around them. If you're in trouble, some of you are like, you know what it's like to be under stress. and That's where he was. Stress outside, inside. It was all over the place. He was in a place of high stress and strain on his life. Yet he didn't look to God. Are you in stress? Are you in trouble? Are you under a load? Look up here. Go to God. Don't go to these little false gods. That's vanity. Is God dealing with you about some things? Are you in sin? 
Look up here. Quit doing the same things over and over and over and over. Humble yourself. And if you're lost in here today, be saved. Call on His name. Don't. Please listen to me. Don't die and go to hell like Ahaziah did. Let's stand together all over.